Welcome everybody to the Any Centre podcast. My name is Justin Kingdon. And I'm Dr Anne Chalfont. And in this episode, we'll be discussing some parenting challenges. One mother, one mission. To create a world where families thrive. Dr Anne Chalfon, internationally acclaimed clinical psychologist, family therapist, author and mother of four children, brings you powerful and practical parenting techniques from her clinical and personal experience. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in the house. Indeed, the doctor is in the house and today we are talking about parenting challenges. Uh, and then why are we doing this? Well, because uh, we delved into the world of search engine questions. And uh, when we did that, uh, we were able to uncover a very, very interesting um, set of insights. And uh, namely, it and is, is that uh, when people put their questions into Google uh, or to other search engines, they are unfiltered. They are the questions they're not going to ask their friends and family, lest they be uh, embarrassed by asking them, so it's a really great source of information, and uh, they're honest questions. They're, yeah, they're, they're real. Correct. Yeah, and 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 it's not necessarily about being perfectly worded or exactly um, you know, precise in the way that they ask the question, and and that's what's important about capturing these questions and and putting them to the fore, and uh, and then creating. Uh, this type of content so that they can get good answers to these questions. Um, so uh, we've grouped a, a bunch of them around parenting challenges. We've grouped some others under parenting styles, which we'll uh, address in a later podcast. Um, and, but today, th- this is what we're going to be discussing, the parenting challenges. So after a little bit of research and a little bit of refinement, we have a list of questions uh, that Dr. Chalfont is going to uh, answer to the best of her knowledge Thank you, Dr. Chalfont. So I will uh, begin with the first question. Um, When parenting feels overwhelming, what do I do? Mm, I think parenting always feels overwhelming. (laughs) So this is a really important question and I can see why people are asking it. But um, the basic answer, the really short answer is to step away, actually. So when parenting is overwhelming or feels like a burden or you feel like you're going wrong, or you reflect on your parenting afterwards and you feel a sense of guilt or shame perhaps or disappointment in how you've managed particular situations with your children, I think the most important thing to do is actually to take time and step away and reflect. Uh, There's certainly no point um, if you're in a moment of parenting a child or managing a difficult situation or feeling overwhelmed of continuing down a dangerous path when you feel like that because it only leads to further frustration or anxiety and the situation never ends well. So taking a moment sometimes when you are feeling overwhelmed, like in a workplace when you feel overwhelmed or in other aspects of your life when you're feeling like something is too much, just taking a moment, taking a breath, calming yourself down uh, so that you can put a pause in the rush of that feeling of being overwhelmed uh, often relates to anxiety as well. So stopping, taking a moment, taking a breath and then being able to think a little bit more clearly because of that going back into the situation uh, with the child, with the teenager, and working through it then together as much as possible. Excellent. Uh, Good advice. Um, The next question, when does parenting get easier? (laughs) I love these honest questions because they're the kind of things that cross my mind too. 
with our four <laughs> kids. <laughs> Is this ever going to get any easier? Surely. But as we know, you know, with um, work versus parenting, for example, you know, we've all trained to do different things in our different uh, work lives, you know, whatever that might involve. Um, whereas when you become a parent, there's no, uh, you know, manual or how-to guide that you get given. You've got this, you know, child that's completely reliant on you and for the rest of your life, it is jolly hard. Mm. Um, it is hard work. And I think sometimes, to be honest, what makes parenting easier is accepting that a little bit. As a parent, when you're fighting against this idea, you know, why is it so difficult? Why don't they listen? When will this get easier? Um, you know, when they grow up, surely we'll have a better relationship um, then and they'll listen the first time. When, why does it take me, you know, we, we've gone over this issue, you know, pack your bags or get organised in the morning, hurry up, we've got to get out the door, uh, you know, stay still at the dinner table, listen to what I'm telling you, all the sorts of things that, you know, happen with kids as they get older. And grow up, and and you know that, w- that you go over and over and over and over the same situations with children, and then you sort of question yourself and feel like, why is this not making a shift or a change? And I think the, th- the thing to say is, everyone's in the same boat. Every parent feels the same. There is no smooth sailing ride for for a parent. It 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 it, it honestly, you know, is not uh, something that comes you know super easy to any of us so in in one way I suppose perhaps I'm sounding disappointing for people but it doesn't really ever you know become so easy and so smooth and so so natural that that there's never an issue in in parenting but it it, there are things that make parenting easier Um, and I think you know for me I think there are three main areas around parenting that when parents reflect on their parenting and, and spend time uh, thinking about those three key areas, that can give them insight into how to build better connection with their children, better relationship and therefore better management of their kids. And I think when you do that, then parenting does become easier. It's never perfect, um, but it does become easier and you can have smoother uh, management, smoother discipline, smoother, as I said, smoother relationships, better connections. So I can talk about those three areas um, in a moment. Okay. So maybe uh, with this question then, we could hear about those three areas, which are when parenting gets hard, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So I mentioned at the, at the start, the first question was around sort of stepping away, f- uh, reflecting, taking a breath, taking time. And when you reflect and think about why, you know, why is parenting hard at that point in time or what's overwhelming me, the three areas that I, I believe impact the most on parents in terms of their parenting challenges Mm. are the following. The first is parental pressures. So pressures outside the relationship with the child that that affect the parent personally, like uh, job pressures or financial pressures or relationship pressures maybe within within a... uh, Family. Yep, exactly. Uh, Thank you. Um, Or time pressures on the parent as well. So all of those different pressures that as parents we experience commonly uh, impact on our f- how short our fuse is with children and with teenagers then. Because when we are parenting, when we have those other pressures on our mind or playing over in our mind at the same time, even though they don't relate to the child or to the teenager, when a teenager or a child you know, s- s- 
uh, missteps or misbehaves or, or even is just sort of bothering us or nagging us for something that they want, for example. Those, those background pressures cause us to sort of you know, trigger or tip over more easily than we might normally if we're feeling calmer and we don't have those other background pressures in our personal life. So the first factor, I think, is parental pressures. The second is the worries that we have for our children. Um, many parents will worry sort of very far down the track for their kids um, based on behaviours that they see in the here and now. So they think too far or project too far ahead into the future. This is certainly one that I'm uh, a victim of for sure. But, uh, you know, for example, uh, if your child speaks uh, back rudely to you, having a future-based worry of, you know, I- is this always going to be the way that they will speak? What, hap- what happens if they're a teenager and they speak rudely to, you know, someone then? Gosh, what's that going to be like? And when they're an adult, you know, I'm meant to be preparing them for their adult life. How are they then going to get a job? And these worries then become more catastrophic. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you speak like that to people, they won't want to be, you know, your friend. They won't have relationships. What will happen in their workplace? Um, so, you know, catastrophic thinking on the basis of simple situations. Um, which we do when we because we love our kids so much and we want to protect them. But when there are, again, missteps or, or conflict or challenges in raising kids, the worries that we have for them then become catastrophic and that causes us to become more anxious and then we turn that into frustration with the children when they're parenting them. And the third area, I think, is this idea around self-sacrifice. I think uh, parents sometimes don't realise that there is a, a strong you know, need for self-sacrifice in, in parenting. I, I did a little um, podcast you know, video snippet off our front step like I do mm-hmm. from time to time um, with the idea of me first and that was this sense that parents at times need to put themselves first, take time for themselves, you know, have five minutes a day just to catch up on the paper or you know, have a cup of tea or you know, do some things that energise themselves again so that they can come back into the parenting um, sphere and feel, you know, that they're in a better position. But equally at the other end of the spectrum, there's the need to put children first at times as well. Um, and I think sometimes when parents fight against that, you know, really are constantly seeking time for themselves uh, away from kids, children uh, can become more, dr- what feels to parents like more draining because children recognise that. Children have a really a strong sixth sense for quality of relationship and, and time with parents and crave time with parents. And, uh, the, you know, one of the biggest, most important parts of parenting is how you spend time with your children, the kind of quality time. You know, this idea of spending time um, playing with them versus giving them a toy that they can play with themselves, to, be, to give a really simple example. So when parents um, perhaps lack full awareness of, of what that really means, what it means to have to self-sacrifice or um, lack acceptance of that perhaps, then that, that sort of push against what you want, um, you know, to, to have a child and just to sort of have them kind of figure it out themselves and leave you alone a little bit more often um, versus the fact that the child is actually needing attention and needing time with you, that can cause some conflict um, for the parent. So parental pressures, worries for kids, and this idea of perhaps a lack of lack of self-sacrifice. They are, I think, three key factors that influence how we parent when we do feel overwhelmed or can cause the greatest challenges to our parenting. Now, very insightful um, and, and three key areas that I think um, uh, are simple to, to probably fix for, for many people. Um, 
this ties this next question ties a little into that, which is when parenting goes wrong, how do I correct the course? So, I think the question obviously implies then that you must recognise in some way that parenting has gone wrong, and um, and as I said, when you when when you follow that approach of sort of stop and think about it and recognising something is not quite working here thinking about why it's not working. And as I said, I, I think you know, 90% of the time we could put it down to one of those three areas that we've just discussed. If you can identify one of those and think about why is it that I am you know, under pressure and that I'm carrying this over into my relationship with my child or mm. wha- why is it that I am so worried about the children? Why can't I just let go and stay in the moment, for instance? Or why is it that I feel like I want more time for myself? away from children and feel drained when they want time with me. Um, then I think once you've recognised what those factors are for yourself, that's how you begin actually to correct the course because then you can think about, right, well, what can I do differently if I recognise that I'm worrying too far into the future and that then causes me perhaps to become angry at my children because I'm fearful that this behaviour that I see now in front of me in this moment reflects something that I falsely believe is going to happen 10 years down the track, Mm. then I can talk to myself and say, okay, I need to stop that. I need to just stay in the moment and deal with the immediate situation. That's one example of how to correct the course there. So should a parent um, in that instance maybe keep a a journal or something similar to that uh, so that they can write down the different things they've done so they can actually see that they've changed their behaviour and they can see then the behaviour that's happening I think that's a fantastic idea. I think um, that when you are feeling overwhelmed, you know, these things can feel quite cloudy and, and, and murky and nebulous and unclear. Mm. And so, yes, taking time just to sit and, and maybe regularly write down over a period of time, you know, what happened in the situation? How did you respond? How did you feel afterwards? Mm. And these can just be dot points. Absolutely. That just doesn't have no, to be it's long. not an essay or a long diary entry. Literally, yeah. they're just dot points. You could even have it in those categories. You know, what was the situation? What did I do or say? How did it end? How did I feel afterwards? What are my thoughts about why this might have happened? And as I said, I think 99% of the time, it is one of those three areas. So perhaps you could even just have, you know, parental pressures, worries for kids, um, the issue of self-sacrifice, and then just circle one of them mm. um, to try and give some parents today you know a bit of a template of what to use in terms of a diary or a a little worksheet that they can then use as a running record maybe for a week or two weeks and then that will help provide some raw data if you like on what's happening in the situation and uh, how they're feeling and, and what the pattern might be in terms of their response and then that will again guide them in terms of okay well if I'm seeing a theme here that every time I respond like this, it's based on, uh, you know, some future worry that I have. Or every time I respond like this, it's because I'm feeling that I want more time to myself. Or every time I respond like this, it's because I'm also at the same time feeling frustrated about what's happening in my workplace at the moment. Then that provides great insight as to what to shift and, and where to begin and how to start. Excellent. Yeah, no, getting that self-feedback I think is really important. Okay, so um, this is a question around about that idea of tough love. And uh, the, the person's asked, when parenting hurts, how do I know I've still done the right thing? I think that there's no uh, perfect way to know for sure. And there are definitely times when parenting absolutely does hurt 
a child, not physically, but, you know, children are disappointed for lots of reasons. I can think of an example in our household yesterday where uh, we had a child that was expecting one thing and we weren't able to deliver on that and, uh, you know, they were disappointed and there was a bit of a meltdown and we had to manage <laughs> the situation. Ensued. But we still had to hold firm. Um, and you know, I think you know you've done the right thing when you still have a strong relationship with your children, you know, despite the ups and downs of discipline, of delivering no's, you know, of setting boundaries, of providing consequences, which is a normal and, in fact, very important part of parenting. When you have a good relationship with the child, they can get through those. Yes, they will be disappointed. Yes, they will feel hurt. Um, yes, they will feel frustrated at you and sometimes would like to take vengeance out on you for taking away whatever privilege it might be or for limiting what they want to do. But you know when the, they still have trust in you, respect for you, want to spend time with you, uh, come back and want to listen to you uh, once they've settled down, that you have done the right thing because there is still relationship there. So this then leads into, I think, uh, the next question, which is when parenting isn't perfect, how do I not dwell in the bad parts? And I know personally this is something that you can really build up in your mind that you can say I'm constantly making this one parenting mistake and I'm getting this reaction from the child and I'm really unhappy about that or um, maybe something just uh, a series of events you look back across, you know, your child's life so far and you think to yourself, well, if I hadn't done this, then um, they would have been in a better position or they wouldn't be acting like this now and so forth. So how does a parent not dwell on those bad parts? I think, like anything in life, the way not to dwell on the negative is to take action, um, you know, a first step. So whatever that first step might be, you know, maybe it's as simple as spending, you know, two minutes more with your child on a particular activity. Maybe that's your first step. Or maybe it's just that, you know, tomorrow you promise yourself and you follow through on, you know, whenever there's a moment with the child where there may be some conflict or some difficulty or some challenge, that you promise yourself that on that particular occasion you're not going to think about the future. You're just going to stay in the immediate situation or you're not going to allow your work or your relationship issue or your financial concerns to be a part of your thinking at that particular point in time, just once. And then if you can do it just once, then you'll be able to do it twice. And then maybe you'll be able to do it for a whole day and then maybe for a whole week and then maybe for a month. So I, I think the answer, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed and, and focusing, sort of navel-gazing on, you know, why is this always going wrong, it, it just takes one change, one action, one first step. And then you can set yourself on a course, but you have to be able to take that first step. So it's, I suppose, a matter of discipline and really having the self-control to say, right, I've thought about this. I've thought about this a lot. Um, I can see the pattern. I can also now see that I'm dwelling on that pattern. Um, I need to shift into action. I need to shift from thinking about it and going round and round in circles to actually doing something towards it. And, and it is as simple as just doing one thing. So what could that one thing be for you as a parent that you can change? Because that one thing can lead to 10 things in the future. Um, and I think sometimes parents feel that, oh, you know, that's too simple. You know, if I just change, um, you know, by spending a, a couple more minutes of time, what difference is that going to make to the overall huger problems that we know, larger problems that we're having? But it is, it is as simple as that. It is a matter of changing one aspect of your parenting. Um, and then that can grow and grow from there. So my parenting feels like a burden. 
is this normal? And I think that question um, is very similar to the earlier question about when does parenting get easier? So, yes, it's very normal for parenting to feel like a burden. It, it feels like a burden for uh, – well, certainly feels like a burden for me and I think I'm pretty safe in guessing that it feels like a burden for you too. Um, but it doesn't always feel like that. So it is always going to have moments where it feels like a burden uh, for the rest of your life as a parent. Uh, but and that, And that's because, in a way, literally there is a burden. There's a weight – on you of responsibility. Um, you know, when we carry responsibility, and in this instance, it's the responsibility of the most, you know, precious thing that you could ever have. The highest responsibility your, of all, really. Yeah, your children. Um, then there is some burden that goes with that because of the responsibility associated with parenting. So it's very normal um, for that to be the case. And I think the other way to think about it is it would be very concerning if you felt that, you know, parenting was such a breeze and so easy, um, then there was no issue with it at all. Um, and nothing that you were thinking about or, or self-checking or questioning, um, then I, I'd say there's probably some level of apathy in your parenting, which is a concern um, because that damages relationships. Uh, so it's good to be reflecting and it's good to understand that parenting is hard and parenting does involve responsibility. But at the same time, parenting can be fun and rewarding, and it is, um, which is why we continue to choose to have children. I mean, we've had four. <laughs> um, there's another one on the way. So, you know, there must be something good in it. Otherwise, we're, you know, sort of, not, you know, what's the word? Sadistic? Masochistic. <laughs> masochistic. Um, masochistic. But, and, and, and so does the rest of society. You know, we keep producing children, and, and uh, there's an element of, of doing that because we love children. We, they're fun. They're, they're beautiful uh, human beings, and, and it's great to spend time with them, and you... It, it's rewarding and re enriching and uh, fulfilling in so many ways. So parenting um, can be glorious and joyful and wonderful and awesome, um, but it also, you know, like life, is full of ups and downs. So uh, that is completely normal. There is nothing unusual about having uh, a sense of being it being a burden at times. When it's always feeling like a burden, I think that's when you have to stop and reflect uh, on why that might be and what you can then shift. And I think that leads into the next question, uh, which is when parenting becomes too much, who should I turn to? So I, I like this question so much because it, it, the person who was, or the people who were asking this in Google obviously understand that they need support. And, and that's exactly right. When, when you feel overwhelmed, the first thing you should do is seek help. Um, now, you know, maybe there's different layers of help. So perhaps if there's a parenting partner, um, then that would be the first person to turn to. Uh, maybe if there's family or close friends, that might be another layer or element of who to turn to. Uh, and then there's obviously resources online now as well. There's fantastic, uh, you know, websites like Child Mind or the Raising Children Network, um, which have great tips and general advice for parents. Uh, so there's a million different places online where you can go to get advice and information as well these days. But they're the, they're, because there are a million, those are the quality ones. They are some examples of quality ones, yeah. yes. It can be hard to sort of sift through them. But I think there's so much out there now for parents to access in terms of resources. And then if, if it's feeling, you know, on a, or again, on a, this idea of what's a problem versus what is something that happens from time to time. So when it's a problem, it's, it's that you're reflecting negatively on this. It does feel like a burden. You're feeling overwhelmed on a regular basis, on a daily basis, many times through the day. Perhaps there's regular distress for you and for the child. Uh, the relationship maybe is breaking down in some way and you feel this regularly. It's impacting on the family functioning overall and on your personal functioning. 
that's when maybe you need to consider or that's when you should consider seeing some professional uh, for some support and some advice, a, a, a child clinical psychologist or some other uh, you know, family therapist or professional who can assist um, and give you some tips and perhaps set you back on a good path. There's also some great parenting books out there. So there's lots of ways that you can tap into um, assistance. How do I parent without power struggles with my teenage children? Mm. And and what that question identifies is is, is exactly the, the key issue with teenagers, which is the issue of power and control. So teenagers, as we know, um, it's appropriate in their development to want to have more control over their identity, over their destiny, over their decisions, um, over their life. And uh, as parents, you know, we, we see our children move from being younger children who are fully dependent on us to now more independent teenagers who don't need us as much and want to identify more with their peer group and less with just the family and just the parental connection. So the first issue is about, I think, accepting that shift, that that's a natural shift and, in fact, it's a necessary shift. Children, the move from child into teenager... Um, that sort of change in the relationship, the change from being fully dependent to more independent is really important for your teenager to thrive. And so what can you then do to facilitate that independence? Not to allow them to go, uh, you know, off like a free-range chicken, (laughs) but at the same time, what can you do to allow them a, a greater sense of independence and responsibility for themselves? And I think when you do that, you have less power struggles with teenagers. So some examples of that might be that you collaborate more with them or problem solve through situations together. If there's a, a point of conflict, rather than coming down like the final rule or decision maker, maybe you talk to them about, you know, what are their thoughts? Do they see that there's a problem as well? What have they been considering about that problem or that difficulty? Is it, a, you know, maybe these things relate often to curfews and limits that parents place on teenagers is there any room for negotiation rather than just saying this is the way it's going to be and there's no discussion about it anymore because for a teenager that is very tough to hear and accept when you are trying to stretch more and and sort of flex your muscles a bit more and and spread your wings you know all of those great metaphors so as a parent how can you include your teenager more in some of the setting of rules in the household how can you do that in a way that aligns with them and works together alongside them like a team rather than coming down from on high over the top of them. So changing your approach or your style I think is really important with teenagers. And then, you know, as I said, including them in some of the decisions of the running of the household. Maybe it's as you know simple as, uh, you know, the meal plan for the week or, you know, other aspects of the general household and the general running of the household. Maybe it's about curfews and bedtimes and things like that maybe it's about relationships with friends and choices that they're making with social media and those sorts of things but cutting them a little bit more slack in a reasonable way not in a way that's well you know I just want to be your friend now that you're a teenager some parents seek to do that and I think that's wrong frankly teenagers still need to see you as their parent you're not their friend you're their parent and they still do rely on you to be their parent there's still an element of dependence there but you need to deliver that in such a way that shows them that you also respect their ideas and their opinions and their contributions. So including them in problem solving, in house rules, in decisions, as much as is reasonable 
to do so. Not giving them free reign, but including them in those in the, the process is important so that they feel that they have some more control than they used to as a child, so that they feel that you value their opinion, that you see that them maturing is uh, of value to you and important in the family and that you want their contributions. I think they're all things that are really important to consider to avoid power struggles with well, teenagers. It sounds like you're going to, going to have to take several runs at this with a teenager that you might say, you can't just say, well, well what I'll do is, is I'll now ask them, let's be involved in the meal planning for this week and the teenager looks at you and goes, I'm not interested in that. And then you think to yourself, well, now what? I've tried to involve them and that hasn't worked. Each child is going to be different and you're going to have to find things that I guess they're interested in. Is that how it works? It is. It's very much about going along with what they're interested in. If they're not interested in cooking or things like that, then of course they will be the kind of person who's like, well, can't you just figure that out on your own? Why do I have to be involved in that? Um, that's, that becomes a burden or another chore. Maybe they you know, want to be involved in other aspects of the household running. Um, maybe it is more about the teenager's own interests. Um, and so it's just simply around including them in decision-making around things like, you know, where they'll go when they go out. What are the limits now that are changing around that? How far away are they allowed to go? What times do they need to be home by? Who are you uh, agreeing that is reasonable kind of friends for them to spend time with? Um, all those sorts of things. Uh, their, their appearance even perhaps and how they dress, those sorts of things. Maybe there's a shift in that where they want to explore and, uh, you know, shift identity. and uh, I, don't, I don't mean physical identity. I mean, you know, just the way they dress, the way they look. Those yep. sorts of simple things, um, which in the past you may have had more say over. Maybe you need to have more negotiation and, and more openness there. So it really depends on, yes, the teenagers, you know, maybe it's about music and how loud they'll play it at what time of the day and when and, uh, you know, how much time they'll spend in their room on devices uh, versus how much time they need to be around the family. Uh, they're all the kinds of things that you may see shift with teenagers. So I think the, the main thrust is just I being you know, inclusive and collaborative and including them into decision-making. Maybe you need, um, with some clients and families, we've worked through what's a really uh, great system of just these are the rules that are never going to shift. These are the non-negotiable set of rules. These are the area, this is the area where there's room to negotiate and I want to include you in the decision-making and I want your ideas and your suggestions. And then this is the area where you have freedom to choose right. so that you have those sorts of categories or those areas and that allows the individual, the teenager, to see, right, there are still boundaries that I cannot cross um, and there are still consequences for those and mm. that's fine because that's life. Yep, um, and there can and be younger normal. children in the home and other things Absolutely. that still have to be respected. Um, there are areas where I'm going to have more say so I can see that my profile as a teenager, moving from a child into a teenager, is, raising, um, in, is being raised in the family and that's important to me. And then there's also more flexibility in that there's this air, this group of you know decisions and rules where I have full say, um, and that's fantastic. So it, it it allows them to have a sense of how to be responsible for themselves as well. I can imagine that uh, at the right age, uh, a teenager getting a job uh, can help in that definite area of discussing. This is where you have responsibility and freedom, uh, and then then earning money and being able to then. Uh, working with the parent, understanding how that would be saved and spent, but then giving that child the opportunity to choose what it's spent on. That opportunity with a job and a teenager would, would be a fantastic way of saying, okay, let's start exploring the world and start exploring what responsibility looks like. 
yes, that's a brilliant example. And uh, for those teens that do undertake some kind of casual work uh, and, and then earn money that they can then have you know, more say over, it is exactly that. It's that balance of still seeing that parents are valuable um, in, in giving you guidance around how to save, where to spend, uh, you know, the importance around those sorts of things. But at the same time, having flexibility, knowing that it's your money that you've earned and making decisions around that. How do I do parenting without conflict? I think this is maybe just someone who was a bit maybe naive or <laughs> just desperate <laughs> that they were tired of the conflict because <laughs> I don't know how you parent without conflict all the time. But I guess there are times where you can determine how can I change my parenting style so I'm not always uh, creating conflict. Yes, and I, I noticed that the question coming up after that is how can I parent without anger? Um, <laughs> so we've gone from sort of possibly low levels of conflict into anger and outbursts. Look, a- again, I think it, parenting at times involves some level of, of conflict or disagreement and, and possibly even some level of anger and frustration. Um, that's life. And if we weren't experiencing the full extent of emotions when we are parenting kids at different times, then again, something could be seriously wrong there. Um, that's not normal. But um, ag- again, if, if conflict is happening so frequently, so regularly, uh, causing distress so often, then there's something that needs to shift. So it's normal to have periods of time where we're in conflict with children. It's normal to have times where we feel angry um, and maybe we even become angry with them. Um, but when that's happening regularly, uh, when uh, there is regular distress, when it's impacting on you and the whole family and the way things are functioning on a daily basis, then there's a need to get support, to stop and reflect, to look at what the patterns could be, to uh, seek you know, perhaps professional help, all the things that we've just discussed. How can I parent without anger? So I think that relates to that again, that issue of conflict and we've just tapped on that. Don't so do things that make me angry and I won't have to parent <laughs> uh, with no. anger. <laughs> no, and I think again, you know, coming back to, uh, as I said, coming back to the... Uh, key factors that I was mentioning at the start, this idea of parental pressures, worry, future-based worries for kids uh, and, and the need to perhaps self-sacrifice a little bit more, they will be things that once you recognise that uh, you'll see that there's usually a very strong or high correlation between experiencing those pressures and becoming angry at kids um, because we're just so easily tipped over and so easily frustrated um, when we are so worried into the future or when we are, uh, you know, experiencing all these other pressures. That usually is what creates the most anger when it comes to parenting. So the way to avoid that is to address those underlying factors first, those pressures on the parent first or those worries and reducing anxiety first or accepting that parenting involves some more sacrifice of ourselves in order to spend time with kids. When we get that right, you find that anger very quickly dissipates. And there are parents who, you know, I think uh, can parent effectively without being angry at their kids most of the time, and that is a good goal to have and a good aim. But to say that parents are never angry with children or never frustrated, I think, is highly unrealistic. Uh, how can I parent without feeling shame afterwards? And I think, again, that, that comes from the, the same sort of issue. You know, if you're feeling angry, if you're in conflict, Sometimes afterwards you reflect and then you feel guilt or shame for the way you've behaved. So 
the way to address all of these, uh, you know, kind of everything in hindsight and looking back and, and the reactive, I suppose, approach is to be more preventative, is to think first, is to look at your life really and take stock and look at what are the pressures that are on me, what are, you know, what's happening in, in the patterns of how I am parenting this child or my children, uh, you know, where is the one place where I can make a shift right now, a simple shift or a simple step, and, uh, and how can I then continue that and what support do I have around me in order to make that easier? What tips are there to parent without me and or the child ending in tears? <laughs> um, again, same, same um, it, it, these questions are, I think are just so gorgeous and, and raw and, mm. and real, aren't they? Um, because they reflect the, the, the feelings that every parent goes through, you know, this idea that sometimes when there's conflict, the child can be upset, you then see that the child's upset, so you feel upset even more. Maybe you're already feeling upset by their behaviour, but now you feel upset about the way you've managed the situation and the whole thing kind of escalates out of control. So, again, it, I think thinking about more preemptively, you know, what are the factors that are impacting on you as a parent at the moment? How can you address those factors in a step-by-step manner and take action? Uh, and also, I suppose one thing that I, uh, again, going back to the little front door um, videos that I do from time to time, a recent one that we did or that I did was on uh, the idea of an immediate response for an immediate situation. So rather than focusing on a behaviour when you see uh, something occur and then using that to reflect back to the child on the fact that, you know, this always happens, you always do this, or, oh, and that reminds me of the fact that you're, you know, just inattentive more generally. And, you know, last night you didn't uh, listen when I asked you to go and do X, Y, and Z, and, you know, this morning was the same, etc. and making it a bigger issue than what it is. When parents can focus just again back to the immediate moment or situation and deal with that in an immediate way, you find that there's less escalation, there's less... Um, a sort of cycling down a negative spiraling, kind of spiraling out of control, and that helps a lot with reducing anger, reducing feelings of shame after possibly bad, you know, bad parenting, um, and uh, and avoiding things like everyone ending in tears. How do you parent without the power struggles? So I think um, we've touched on that question already mm. in terms of addressing the issue like power struggles with teenage teenagers. And it's the same with children. You know, if you feel that there is an issue about control or power um, struggles going on in the relationship that you have with a child, whether it's a teenager or whether it's even a younger child, you need to reflect and look at, you know, why is it that they're looking to have more control? Do they need more time or attention from me? Do they feel like they need more of a say in the household? And even with a younger child, you can give them a voice more often, you know, in, you know include them in some very simple aspect of decision-making or get them to have more choice um, available to them, even when it's around things to do with play or maybe an activity that you might offer to go and do with them. You know, would you like to do um, some painting or would you like to read, but let them make the decision so you can give them limited choices like that. Or if that. they have to do something, they choose the order in which it's done. Yep. So there are things that still have to be done, but their choice is the order. Not that, you know, do you want to do your homework or go outside and play? <laughs> no, exactly. A sensible decisions. Um, but as you said, yes, the order in which it might be done or what the nature of the activity might be if you're offering them some free time or some time with you. The overwhelming message is, is that there are power struggles throughout. Basically, once that child stops being completely and totally dependent on you, mm. that child is going to start asserting themselves. And that is a completely natural and normal thing. 
and the person they're going to test that against uh, is the parent. And I think we found that with one of our children, which is um, we you, know, you do the parent-teacher night and you're expecting to sit down and hear about a child that uh, can sometimes be quite robust in the household and giving their opinion, mm-hmm. and then you find out from the teacher, oh, no, no, they're fantastic in the classroom. They're and they're perfect angel. Perfect child and always helping out and always the first to see things and, and, and fix them and so forth. Um, and, then, uh, and then you sit there shocked because at home they're constantly challenging you and you're thinking, oh, my God, are they constantly challenging the teacher too? Uh, which isn't always the case. But power struggles are normal and it's the parent that's probably normally going to feel that power struggle first. Yes. And so uh, giving them more choice, more flexibility within reason, within reasonable boundaries. But the other thing to say is also finding you know, the positive, accentuating the positive with kids is really important. And I don't think we've touched on that um, enough yet this morning, but uh, you know, having a more strengths-based approach to parenting. The, the example we just gave of our our you know, child who go along to the school and they are a perfect angel, whereas at home you see, you described a more robust, I would say, more challenging, um, you know, little individual. So thinking about, well, then how can you harness the things that the school are recognising, um, their helpfulness, their kindness, their, uh, you know, spirited approach to things, their enthusiasm, um, and how can you bring that into your household more and see more of that and help facilitate or build more of that in them um, in, in ways that, you know, engage them better rather than um, focusing on just being reactive as a parent. Right, so I think um, that's a great way to end it um, on in that question of accentuating the positive. Mm. And that can be a great, um, not cure, but I guess um, way of balancing this, which is if you're, as a parent, always seeing the negatives and seeing the negatives build up, that there is that choice that you can make uh, which is that when you see the good to complement it, to talk about it uh, instead of a summary at the end of the day of, you know, you've been doing this wrong, this wrong and this wrong all day and now we're late for dinner or late for bed, that you also have a summary of all the good things that they've done so that the child can feel, um, would the word be validated um, about their good behaviour? Yes, and, and, and I think no matter what parenting style you have or what parenting book you read or, or what parenting approach you follow, um, all approaches have the same core element, which is, yes, focusing on being not so much reactive but being preemptive. And the way to be preemptive with children is to focus on the positives, to focus on their strengths, is to set them up to succeed, is to praise them regularly or reward behaviours regularly, spend time with them so that you can identify what their strengths are, highlight those back. Um, make a big fuss and a big deal over the things that they're good at and that they're interested in and that they've done well. Try and be a detective and catch them out as much as you can, doing the right thing, being compliant. And it, may, it may feel like it never happens, but when you start to, as I said, literally think of yourself as a detective and really keep a keen eye looking for that sort of behaviour, you start to see that actually your children do respond more times than not. And um, it's really a matter of you identifying that out loud for them um, and highlighting that back for them so that they feel, yes, validated. They feel like you can see the good in them and that builds confidence and it also builds their respect for you. Excellent. Uh, So thank you very much, Dr. Chalfont, for answering these questions today for families. Uh, You can find uh, all of Dr. Chalfont's front door uh, videos on her Facebook page. Also, uh, please follow 
Dr. Shelfont on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, visit www.anniecenter.com for the podcasts, uh, past podcasts, past uh, podcast transcripts as well if you want the written version of the podcast uh, so you can go through it in more detail. Uh, also, there's the shop there for the Annie Centre books uh, on uh, child anxiety. We've just reviewed Wally, the Worried Wallaby in discussing uh, young children and, and, and anxiety. Uh, so please... Uh, be, uh, go to all those different resources. Uh, there's a lot of great information there that can help you with your parenting. Uh, any last words, Dr. Chalfont? No, I think these questions were fantastic because they were so raw and real and, and just a reflection of how parents actually feel. But I would say that, you're, you know, you're not alone. It is very normal to feel that parenting is a challenge. Um, but, yeah, take it a step at a time and think about what could be impacting on your parenting and, and focus on the positive. That would be the key message. Thank you very much, Dr. Chalfont, and for our, all of our listeners. Was brought to you by Annie's Centre Proprietary Limited. Please visit anniecentre.com and subscribe to receive the latest updates and digital downloads from Dr. Anne Shalfant. <laughs>